it gives me great joy on your behalf. I've been very excited uh, to have um, the Chelly family with us uh, and Dr. Edwin Chelly in particular. I remember going to the Martyrs Memorial and hearing his father uh, preach, uh, Dr. Jacob Chelly. He was a personal friend of uh, the late Dr. Paisley's. And uh, of course, we, we have been praying much for the work in India. Mr. McElveen keeps us updated. And we're going to ask him now just to come and speak to us. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor, for having me here this uh, evening to come and share what the Lord's doing in the land of India. Just a privilege and honor to be with you uh, this evening. Uh, like uh, Pastor said, my father was a friend of, of Dr. Paisley. And uh, so now I've got the responsibility to come and keep the links that have he has established, the Amen. friendship uh, with the Free Presbyterian Church. And thank Dr. McIlvain and others have encouraged me to come and just uh, keep the friendship with the churches here. For your, um, and thank you for your prayers and support of the ministry there. Uh, that you continue to pray for us and uh, help us uh, in whatever way uh, you can in uh, helping meet the needs of the people of India. And uh, thank the churches uh, during the tsunami time uh, that you help many people uh, in, in India. And also I was sharing with someone, uh, some people about uh, the way that your Free Presbyterian Church helped a group of uh, people in uh, the Andaman Islands. Uh, it was Dr. McIlvain who called me one time just before he came to our graduation. And he said, uh, I want to go to the Andaman Islands. And I was like, what in the world he wants to go to Andaman Islands for? You know, it's way out in the Indian Ocean, in the Bay of Bengal. It's about a two and a half hour flight from where we live, about a three hour flight. And uh, I said, uh, well, we can get you there. And uh, we did, uh, uh, we, I said, we have a graduate who's working amongst uh, the people there. And so we will go there and uh, we can go after graduation. And I've never been to Andaman Islands. Uh, I just know it was out in the ocean somewhere there. And so we made our plans to go. I didn't know what to expect, but it was very hot. I was closer to the equator, but the temperatures were very hot. And uh, I just appreciated Dr. McIlvain and Derek Graham, both of them traveling with me, uh, how they uh, were patient and were able to uh, adjust to the environment. Uh, it was very difficult, but just saw their love for the people and the ministry. And uh, it just was a joy to go and meet with the people there. And uh, just got to meet with them. Uh, and we saw the devastation of the tsunami, even in that area. And uh, we began to talk to the people and seeing how they could uh, be helped. And uh, Dr. McIlvain didn't tell me about everything that was going on in his own heart. But we just uh, began to talk, and then after a while, uh, after the services on Sunday and Sunday evening, uh, we got to talk to the people again the next morning. Uh, the ladies were just telling us about uh, their difficulties and all that they had. We First, when, when we met, we went to this small area where our pastor was, uh, our graduate of the college, was ministering with his people. And the government of India had given them a small piece of land and they had this uh, makeshift uh, thatched uh, home that they had, not much of a building. And uh, they would come there because uh, in the islands it's divided into three parts. Uh, if you needed any kind of medical care from the north and the middle islands, you had to come to the south, <coughs> to the main city called Port Blair. Uh, and that's where they would do. And so many would come and stay in this makeshift, uh, uh, just basically a thatched building uh, made out of bamboo. And uh, it was just very dark and dreary. We were there sitting there and talking to the people, had a little prayer time. And then we began to talk to the ladies. And they, one of the things that they talked to us about was how we could help them in building a place of worship for their people in Port Blair and also a place where some of their people can go and uh, uh, stay uh, in a way that uh, will be feasible because many of them were very poor, can't afford the hotels because it was more of a tourist uh, area 
And so they said, could you help us in this matter? And after much prayer, Dr. McIlvain and others, we said there had to be some changes made in the doctrinal way of they were going because they had a leader that was not <coughs> fundamental. And he said, my people will not agree to that uh, in helping. And so he said, you have to make some changes to be more doctrinally sound, fundamentally sound. And they made the changes. And after that, uh, we were able to start help them with that project, with the, the tsunami project that y'all all were partakers of. And uh, after that, uh, they were telling us when we were talking to them, they said for 22 years, they have been praying faithfully for a building. And uh, when they graduated, when we dedicated the building, Dr. McElvin had come for that graduation. After a couple of years, we went back from after the graduation of the Bible College, and we could just see the, the day of the dedication. They had this four-story building with a place of worship, uh, rooms, uh, and also a kitchen area where they can do the cooking, and uh, places of worship, and it was an, and a fellowship hall, and office space that they needed. And as they were dedicating the building, Dr. McElvin was dedicating the building, I could see the women who have been praying for 22 years that God answered prayer. Amen. And you, the, the, the church of uh, the free church here in uh, Northern Ireland uh, made it happen for them. And God works in mysterious ways, doesn't he? God does things in a miraculous way. And so we thank you and we thank for the way you have helped and prayed for us at the Bible College. Uh, God has continued to bless. We've grad uh, we have about 310 students in the Bible College and uh, to pray for them, we've graduated over 5,000 who are serving the Lord in different parts of India, Southeast Asia, Myanmar, uh, in Thailand, and also in Nepal, uh, China. God has been using many of these graduates in these areas, so to continue to pray as we train. Uh, the population of India is 1.2 billion people. Uh, the city of uh, the city where I live is over eight and a half million people. 84% of our people are Hindus, worshipping millions of gods and goddesses, and we have other religions, Islam, Christianity is about 2.5%, Bible-believing Christians are less than half a percent, and this has been the statistics uh, uh, from the time of our independence uh, in 1947, and uh, we don't see much of a change, but we see people getting saved as the population grows. Uh, but we have seen people getting saved, churches being established, uh, fundamental Bible-believing churches. Uh, but uh, the number of people training to Christ has been very small. And I do pray that we will still continue to labor in India. The government is pro-Hindu government, and they have put a lot of restrictions on Christians now. We have the freedom of religion. We claim that we are the largest democracy in uh, the world, but uh, when it comes to the freedom of religion, they say, you can practice your religion, we have no problem with that. The only problem arises when you are evangelizing, when you go out and share the Word of God. And so we're not allowed to have any open-air meetings, which we used to in the old days, in the early 60s, 70s, and 80s, but they have stopped all those, even track distribution, uh, and all these things that they have stopped. Uh, and we can be arrested for that, we can be put in prison, and many of our pastors and others have been through those difficult situations. But in, in spite of all that, the Word of God is powerful. Amen? Amen. It uh, does uh, save souls, and we thank God that the Word of God continues uh, uh, to be proclaimed. So do pray for us that God will continue to give us the boldness, the courage to continue to be steadfast, <laughs> As Paul the Apostle said, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our labor is not in vain. And so do pray that God will continue to keep us steadfast, that we will not be uh, afraid or shaken up by all the uh, laws of the land, but we would rather be uh, fearing God and pre proclaiming the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so do pray for that, that God will continue to bless us as we labor together in the Lord's vineyard there in the land of India. Uh, 
Pastor wanted to say a little bit about myself. Uh, I, I grew up in a Christian home. My father was a, a grandfather came up from came out of Hinduism, uh, and my father they were all Hindus, but they came out joined the Lutheran Church. And there was a missionary who visited my grandfather for many years. My father would tell us every day he would sit and visit my father and grandfather. And after many years of sharing the word of God with him, uh, this faithful missionary never gave up, was consistent. And so my grandfather decided to uh, leave the Hindu religion and then uh, join uh, the Lutheran church. And then my father was able to get in contact with, uh, uh, because of his education, took him to Bombay, which is now called Mumbai. And he was doing his master's there working and came in contact with missionary Dr. Jake Johnson, who was very instrumental in his life. Then he left the Lutheran Church and uh, joined the Baptist Church after he found out the teachings of the Lutheran Church were not uh, according to Scripture. And so that had a great influence. And then the vision to start the Bible College started then. And so I grew up, had no, had no desire to serve the Lord, but God... Uh, spoke to my own life and my own heart, you know, even though I was running away from God, I shared this many a times, uh, I don't know if I shared my testimony here, about being saved at a young age and then seeing what my father went through in the ministry, all the trials and, you know, persecution, everything that he faced, I felt that that was not the way I wanted to live, that's not the thing that I wanted to do in my life. So I pursued a different career and the secular world, <coughs> did my, majored in biology and then went on to study in the medical college, but God did not give up on me. He still uh, was patient, he was kind and compassionate, but, uh, and then when I was in my third year of medical school, the Lord really spoke to me in the city of Chicago. I was there uh, in my clinical clerkships as I was doing. Uh, one summer living in that neighborhood, I was driving in the night uh, to pick up my sister. She also was a medical student uh, and uh, was uh, uh, working. And so I had to pick her up. And on my way to the hospital, uh, I stopped at an intersection. And then as I proceeded through that intersection, I felt like somebody hit me with a sledgehammer. My passenger window was uh, shattered, and then I realized as I was driving, when my right shoulder, I was not able to move free, freely. A lot of pain, feeling a lot of warm blood go down my back. I knew that night I was shot. And so I was drove myself to the emergency room, and uh, there... At the emergency room evaluated, they said I needed to have surgery. And so I was admitted in the hospital and I realized how close I was to death. And God still spared my life. You know, you cannot run away from God, right? Amen. You're a child of God, He chastens you. And so I realized that night, the Lord spared my life. And I surrendered my life to the Lord. And uh, now, and I said, Lord, I will do whatever you want me to do. And uh, the Lord then <coughs> led me into finishing my residency. I met my wife. Uh, I always tell, uh, tell people uh, that I met her in a psych hospital, but really not. Uh, she was uh, working as a dietitian, and I... I was there working too in my res uh, clerkships, uh, got to meet her, and then she grew up as a Catholic. She never knew the Lord. Uh, I, never, uh, I did not know for a while till I got to know her that she was uh, Catholic, but she said, I'm not a practicing Catholic. And I knew this is not going any further. It won't go any further because my father would say no. Uh, he always would uh, remind me that I need to live a godly life, I need to serve the Lord, and I need to marry godly, born-again Christians, a girl. And so I thought, oh, this is not going to work. But uh, one day we went out uh, for dinner, and then on my way home, 
I dropped her off at her house and she asked me, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to church. It was a Saturday night. I said, I'm going to church tomorrow. And so she said, I'll go to church with you. And I looked at her. I said, you're a Catholic and you want to go to a Protestant church. She said, yeah, I'll go to the church with you. So I said, all right. Service starts at 11 o'clock, so we'll, I'll pick you up. And that's how we began to, she began to come to the church and the gospel. And my father led her to the Lord. Uh, one uh, spring, he came by. He had, he, was, he had come from India. Uh, she was going to go be picked up. Uh, uh, he needed a ride to the hospital, uh, to the airport, and my wife was uh, at that time. Sarah was free; she was going to take him, and he shared the gospel. She came to know the Lord, and uh, I was surprised uh, one evening. I was driving with my father. He pre-finished preaching, and uh, uh, and he said we were driving home, and he said, uh, "I think Sarah will make you a good wife. You should get married. Uh, you should not just tag her along." It's time you get married. And uh, I was shocked because my father would never say that to me. Uh, he never wanted me to marry anybody other than the one he chose. And so I felt it was the Lord's will, and uh, we got married. Uh, and now we have three daughters, Chloe, Leah, and Julia. And uh, my father was really ill in uh, 2000. I was finishing my residency program, and he asked me to come and help him in the ministry there in India. And that's when we decided to go back and help my father in the ministry. I still practice medicine as a physician uh, in, in the United States as a locum doctor. Uh, that will take care of my personal needs. And then I visit uh, all the, uh, try to be on deputation for the college, for the ministry, and raising funds for different projects and uh, things, helping uh, raise money for needy students for their education. So that's what I do, and uh, take, uh, do the administrative work and uh, also take care of the church on campus with my brother. And so that's we are serving the Lord. And so do continue to pray for us as we continue to serve the Lord in India. Uh, over 1.2 billion people need Christ. It's a great need, and so do pray for that. And uh, we've been, uh, since I'm a medical doctor, and a couple of my sisters are <coughs> doctors, with the opposition to the gospel and the difficulty we are facing and uh, witnessing and others, uh, we now realize that uh, through medical missions we can do a lot of work where many people come to us and we're able to share the gospel, meet, not only meet the spiritual need but also the physical. And so <coughs> we wanted to build a hospital and uh, so do pray for that need. We've, uh, we need about a million dollars, which is about 800,000 pounds, for probably in the British pounds. Uh, but uh, we have about uh, 60,000 pounds now to start the project. My sister said they have saved up some money towards that. And uh, so do pray that God will provide for that need so that uh, we'll be able to reach people. You know, the greatest accomplishments of man today is not all that we achieve, but as I read the scripture, there's always rejoicing in heaven, not for the accomplishments that we accomplish, but because one soul comes to Christ. A soul that comes to Christ, the angels rejoice in heaven. And so that's our burden that we want to see more and more Indians come to know Christ. And if this will be the way that we can do Without much opposition, we may face with it, but that's the way we would like to see if the door, the Lord has opened the door for us to do that, uh, bringing in some funds already towards that project. So do pray for that, that God will enable us to do this work. I know you have a project, so I know I don't want to burden you with that, uh, but I know the Lord will provide if you just say, uh, you know, we need to pray. There's nothing impossible with God. Amen. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof and all that therein belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he can provide for us. So do pray for that need that God will enable us uh, to be effective in the work of the Lord in the land of India. If you have your Bibles today, this evening, I'd like you to turn to the book of Daniel. Chapter 6, Daniel chapter 6. 
And I'll just read uh, from verse 16 down to verse uh, 23. But we'll look at the whole text in a way, the whole chapter. But I'd like to talk about a little bit on Daniel, the prophet Daniel, this evening. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords. And the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting, neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Then the king rose very early in the morning, <coughs> went in haste into the, unto the den of the lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel and hath shut the lion's mouth. They have not hurt me, for as much as before him innocence he was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceeding glad for him, and commanded that they should take Daniel, put out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him, because he believed in his God. May the Lord add his blessings upon the reading of his word. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. O Lord, we pray that thou would encourage us from the life of Daniel. O Lord, we face many trials, many difficulties, challenges. But we see, O God, through it all, the life of Daniel. Even the king took note of his life. He says, Thy Lord, whom thou servest continually. O Lord, we pray that thou, in thy mercy and grace, will give us that desire, that courage, that confidence, knowing that we are in the will of God, and that, O oh God, whatever situations that we are put into, that you are in control, and that if we submit our lives to thee, that thou, O oh God, will work out your perfect will and plan in our lives. So we come in this service to thee. May Jesus Christ be glorified, and may we lift up the name of Jesus. May you be honored and glorified in this service. We come in this service to thee. We come in thy servant, the pastor here, that thou would continue to strengthen his hands. We pray for thy people. O oh Lord, that thou would bless them, we pray, as they endeavor in this project of building a house for thee. Lord, where they can come and worship. We pray, O oh God, that thou would meet every need provided and undertake. For thou alone, O God, will be glorified in all of this, so that many will come to know Christ through the preaching of thy word. So bless this evening, bless this service. We commit it to thee, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And as you study the life of Daniel, there are many things you and I can learn from his life. And uh, it puts us to shame sometimes, puts me to shame, because... As a Christian, as we go through life, there are so many inconsistencies in our lives. But when you look at Daniel, the first thing I think we can break up his life into three basic periods of his life. His earlier life, his in his middle ages, and when he comes to his old age. When we look at his earlier part of his life, as he comes as a young 17 or 15, uh, teenage um, captive into the palace of King Nebuchadnezzar, you'll notice about his courage, um, his conviction, that he was a man with a purpose, that he came there, he was in a foreign land, being influenced by the foreign culture, by the foreign uh, wisdom and all these things, by the, uh, the Chaldeans, they wanted to influence their 
their wisdom, their education system on them. They wanted, Nebuchadnezzar wanted him to be learned of all the Chaldeans' system and knowledge and instructions. They even changed their name. And Nebuchadnezzar wanted nothing to do of the God of Israel, the God Jehovah. He wanted nothing to do with the God of the Hebrews. But here was a man in a foreign land facing all these challenges. And when we look at Daniel chapter 1, you see how Daniel was confident that if he had the conviction to say no, that God will deliver him even out of this great situation. In verse 8 of Daniel chapter 1, we see Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. My friends, that's what we need today, man. The world today is trying to influence us with all its philosophy. The world today is trying to influence us with all its uh, wisdom, with all its knowledge, with all the different movements that the world is trying to influence about. The world is trying to control our thinking, the way we think. The way we behave, they try to uh, influence uh, all whatever we believe. You know, you look at the news medias, they'll try to tell, tell us, you know, evil is good today. How we need to be accepting about all kinds of cultures and all kinds of uh, immorality in the world today. They say, well, you need to be accepting. You need to probably look at their view of point I was talking to a psychologist one time and you know he went to a, we were uh, in a discussion and he said there when I said there is a, there is right and wrong there is a moral there is morality and there's a more immorality he said it's the way you look at it there's no such thing as right or wrong it's the way you perceive You may think this is wrong, but somebody else may look at it as right. We need to be accepting of all people's views so that we can have harmony and that we can have unity and then we can uh, live in this uh, utopian society that they want us to live in. But my friends, Daniel had the conviction, he said, he knew that the influence of the Chaldeans' whole system was ungodly. It was not scriptural. He knew that was teachings against what he had learned as a child growing up as a Hebrew. He knew that he should not worship any other God than the God of heaven. And he said, no, I will not let the wisdom of this world the Babylonian wisdom influenced me. In chapter 4, you see children in whom was no blemish, but was well favored skill and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding, science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. That's what Nebuchadnezzar wanted to do. Change their thinking. Change their living. Change their behavior. Change their language. Change their worship. My friends, today we are in the same society, aren't we? We're in the same way where the world wants to dictate how we should worship, how we should practice our religion, what we need to preach. Now even we have, I was reading in a, on the internet, there's a, I think it's a mayor of some city in uh, Texas. City, she says, I want all the messages of the preachers in my office to see what they're preaching. 
because they don't want us to preach. They think she is a lesbian. I don't know what it is, her lifestyle. And so she doesn't want them to preach against the gay, the lesbians, and the homosexual community. And she wants to control. They want to push laws against the church. My friends, there are a day coming. The world wants to influence us in the way we preach. They want to control the pastors in what they teach and preach in their pulpits. The day is coming. And I think, are we going to be like Daniel? Have convictions and say, no, we don't want to be part of the Babylonian Empire. We want to take a stand. And here you see Daniel. Said Daniel purposed in his heart. That he would not defile himself. With the potions of the king's meat. And my friends. When we have convictions. And when we take a stand for God. Our God will not fail us. Amen. He will not. Look what the word of God says. In chapter 1 verse 9 he says, Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. What a promise for you and for me. If my ways, we read in the book and in the Psalms, if a man's ways please the Lord, he makes his enemies to be with what? Peace. And when Daniel pleased God, we see even his enemies were at peace with him. The eunuch said, listen, look, I cannot do this. But God had changed the eunuch's heart. And as the word of God says, the heart of the king, the, uh, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, and he turneth whithersoever he will. Amen? He does. He can change the king's heart. And look at verse 10, and the prince of the eunuchs, and unto Daniel, it said unto Daniel, I fear the, my lord, the king, who hath avoided your meat, your drink, for why should he see your face worse like then the children which are of your sort? Then shall he make me in danger of my head to the king. Then said Daniel to Mel Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had sent over Daniel, Hananiah, <coughs> Michelle, and Azariah, Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenance be looked upon before thee, and the countenance of the children that eat the portion of the king's maid, as thou hast seest. Deal with thy servant. My friends, when we leave things in God's hand, he can do much better for us than we can do for ourselves. They said, okay, we don't want the king's maid. We want just the vegetarian food. Oh, that's what it was. Pulse and water. For ten days. And you see what our God can do. My friends, when we have conviction, we know God. The Lord Jesus Christ. He's the creator God. He will meet our needs. Amen. He will take care of us. His hand of protection will be upon us. Daniel said, just give us 10 days. And you see what our God can do. What a testimony. Oh, Christian, there are times you're going to face in your life to make some decisions. A decision, will I compromise with the world? Or will I want to make accommodate with the world? Will I, if I can just, if I, Daniel could have just said, I could eat of the king's meat. Or drink his wine, but I, you know, in my heart, I know that's not going to make a difference in my life. He could have reasoned, 
or made a rational judgment about the whole thing and rationalized this whole thing and say, you know, I'm a captive here as a young lad and God will understand. God will know what is going on and he'll take care and I'll just, you know, compromise. But Daniel said, no. I know the teachings of God's word. I know what the Bible says. And there is no way I am going to be influenced by the world. I won't be influenced by their signs. I, won't be, I, won't, I don't want to be taught by their learning. I don't want to learn their language. I want to live for God. I want to be a testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to prove to the world that the God Jehovah, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac... The God of Jacob is the true and living God. And he will deliver me. My friends, when we take a stand for God. The Lord, like the word of God says, I will honor them that honor me. He will honor us. He will not let us down. He will not forsake you or me. What a savior we have. Oh, as we go through this life with all the technology that you, we have in our hands today, with all the gadgets, with all that is so accessible in our hands today, may we have the conviction to say no to the things that will cause us to be tempted and drawn away from the Lord. You know, there are so many statistics, how much, how much time people spend on Facebook, how much time they spend on all these new technology that they have. But how much time do we really spend in the Word of God today? We're too busy, aren't we? The world will try to influence us. The world will want to dictate our lives. But maybe like Daniel, have the conviction and say, no, I would rather take the consequence and I want to please God. I thank God for a man of God after I just uh, my father passed away. They gave me the responsibility in the ministry. I was going through many difficult times. And uh, when you have one leader pass, you know, my father was a leader in the, in, the land, in the land, in the fundamental movement. And there was a lot of pressures and a lot of, lot of uh, things going on. And I was talking to this man of God and just trying to get some counsel, staying there with him on the same campus. He looked at me, he said, Doc, one thing I learned in early in my ministry Another man of God who, was, who had a great, uh, who served the Lord for over 60 years said this to me and I think it is very good and I just want to share with you. He said, I'd rather have the approval of God than the praise of man. It was like a light go off in my mind. I was thinking I need to please all these people just to keep the peace and just to try to compromise in ways or accommodate and just to give in here, give in there so that we can keep the peace and let the ministry go on. But that when that day we were just talking about the Lord and the work of God's work, how it has to be done in God's way. It just said, you know what, when he made that statement, it came to light and it just brought a new vision for me how to serve God. I'd rather be approved of God than receive the praise of man. Because the praises of man, they will praise you today. And the same people with the same mouth will say a lot of mean things about you. I've seen it in my father's life. I've seen it in other men of God's <coughs> life. One day they will say, you're the greatest preacher, you're the greatest pastor. In the next moment they'll say, he's the worst of the worst. Yes, my friends, they did it to the Lord Jesus Christ. They called, cried out and said, Hosanna, Hosanna for, to the Lord. And the same people that cried out, Hosanna said, crucify him, crucify him. 
We have no king but Caesar. Mm. Oh, how we need to have the approval of God and the approval of man, because that is the ultimate glory. Because when I stand before the King, and the books will be opened, and all that is written there will be there, and I'll be judged of my works, whether it be of wood, gold, silver, or precious stones, or would it be of wood, hay, and stubble? You know, friends, we have to live with it for all eternity. You know, these things. This life is temporal. We'll be dead and gone. There's no more accusations. There's no more criticism or anything else. It'll be forgotten. But what is done for Christ will last for all eternity. And when we stand before the righteous Judge, our works. Will be revealed by fire, and that's what you and I will live for all eternity. We cannot change that, can we? No. Look, Daniel. Probably it's about what three or four thousand years ago, but he took a man who stood for God. We talk about him today. What a testimony! What a legacy he leaves for you and for me. Because of what? His conviction. The next thing I want you to notice, our time is going. His consistency. His consistency of his walk with God. You see, whether it was Nebuchadnezzar, whether it was Belshazzar, now, whether it is now he's come with Darius, his walk <coughs> with his God is consistent every time. You know, I have a problem. Sometimes there are my ups and downs, okay, in my Christian walk. There are days I am happy, and there are days I am discouraged, disappointed. Maybe. Not the way I should be walking with God, but when I look at the life of David in the first uh, Daniel in the first six chapters, you'll see how God, how Daniel is walking consistently with his God, and how he wants to please God in every way. Even when Belshazzar sees the writing on the wall, it was uh, his mother who said, "There's a man in the kingdom. You can trust." You can count upon. Because he's a man of God. Who walks with God. Consistently. And my friends that's what the church should do today. If we our churches are consistently walking with God. There will be a great transformation in the world today. One of the saddest things in my country is the. Powerless church. Church in religion, <coughs> but not in faith and its works. It is dead, without life. And so the Hindus of over, oh, over 800 million Hindus today cannot see Christ in Christians. But here you see heathen kings. Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, and also there's a difference in Daniel's life because the way he walked with his God in a consistent manner, nothing changed and the world could see Christ in him. <clears throat> Look at what Darius says in verse 16. Thy God whom thou servest continually. What a testimony. That is for you and for me today. What an encouragement it is for you and for me today. That our walk with God should be a walk of uh, consistency. That we serve God continually day after day. Whether people are watching us or not. 
that my walk with God is consistent. Why? Because the world will take note of it when my walk is right with God. Daniel, he faced persecution. He did. When we walk with the Lord, we're going to face problems. I think Paul the Apostle telling Timothy as a child, as a son in the faith, and he was going to tell him about the coming apostasy. You see, he was telling about how the church in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy and how we can just say it is the characteristics of a church today. In chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, Paul's writing, he says this, Know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, which we see today. You look at the news media, you look at all that is being portrayed, it's all, you look at the books that are being written today, it's all about self, isn't it? It's all about self. It's all about the ego of man. Boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedience to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. Truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent fears, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than the lovers of God. My friends, this is what our churches are today in my country. I tell this and I keep preaching it many a time saying, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. And then look at what he says in verse 12. I'll start a reminder to Timothy, as you defend the faith, as you stand for the truth, he reminds him, he tells him, look at all the persecutions, afflictions which came to me, unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, but out of them the Lord delivered me. My friends, when we live a consistent life and we walk with God, you're going to face persecution. You're going to be ridiculed. You're going to do all those things. You're going to go law. You'll be uh, suffering. There's afflictions. Then he says, but the Lord delivered them. The Lord, but out of them all, the Lord delivered me. And then he reminds Timothy, A, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall what? Suffer persecution. Folks, are we willing to take that stand for God? Daniel was willing <coughs> continually <coughs> whom thou servest and I hope that will be said of your church a church that serves the Lord continually what a testimony that would be amen Amen. what a testimony that will be the world looking at the outside and say that is a church of God that is a church that is on fire for God I think it was one preacher from here uh, the Great Britain, I think Reverend Leonard Ravenhill, some of his quotes I was reading, and one of the quotes says, if a church is on fire for God, it needs no advertisement. It's so true, isn't it? We don't need to be on Facebook. We don't need to be anywhere else. The world will take note of us. We are on fire for God. Daniel walked consistently and lastly, I want you to notice about Daniel's life. Our time is gone. It's his courage. It's his courage. He's 80 years of age in chapter 6. He's about 80 years. He's coming to the end of his life. And you see the conspiracy that has taken place. How that God, because of his consistent, because of his convictions, because of his consistent, consistency in his life, now God has placed him in a great authority. And greater responsibility. You see that now there were 120 princes or kings in the kingdom. 
there were the, the presidents, and then he had over the, then over them he had three presidents, and Daniel was number one. I will honor them that honor me. His consistent consistency that God saw continually. He walked with God, and God honored him, and now he is the head. But then you know. Look at verse four. What kind of a man Daniel was? Then the presence of the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But look at the testimony of this man. But they couldn't find none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was what faithful. Neither was there any error or fault found in him. Look at that. He's a man in a big, large kingdom. Darius' kingdom was a very large kingdom, and he was like the prime minister of the kingdom. And he was very busy man. And they said we cannot find any occasion, any fault in Daniel because why? He's a faithful man. He's faithful to his God. He's faithful to his work. There's no fault in him. Only thing we can find fault with him would be his God. And now what we are going to do is we are going to bring a law. We are going to puff up uh, Darius. We are going to puff him up and say, "You're the greatest king, and no one is like you." And we will make him sign a decree. I'm just paraphrasing all this because of our time. And we'll make him sign a law. That they, they should not ask any king, any god, anyone for 30 days. They knew the life of Daniel. He was a man of prayer, wasn't he? Three times consistently every day of his life, he was praying. Consistently. So he says, we're going to attack his personal life, his relationship with his God. We're going to stop him from praying. That's what their idea was. My friends, prayer is very important. You know, and says we should stop him from praying. They tried, but Daniel said, "What? He had great courage. He said, 'I will go to the lion's den, but I will not stop praying to the God of heaven.' He said, 'I will rather die.'" Than not commune with my God in prayer, and there you see what he did, you know. And now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, look what he did. He went into the house, and his windows being open in the chamber to a Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knee three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. Why would Daniel know that he's going into the lion's den and he go and say, "Lord, thank you for the law." He did not protest against God, did he? He did not go to his friends and say, "Why did you do this?" He did argue with them. He knew where his protection was. He knew where his uh, where he will be delivered from. He said, "I know whom I have believed," like Paul the apostle said. "I know whom I have believed." He says, "I know. I've committed everything to Him." And he says, "I will trust my God." He had great courage to show that his love for his God. He had great courage to go to his room, and he did not shut the windows. He was not cowardly. He was not in any way ashamed of his faith in his God. He opened the windows that the people can see right in, and he prayed to the God of heaven and thanked the God of heaven. Oh, Christians, will we ever thank God for the trials and the afflictions that we go through? You know, sometimes when I read the life of Daniel, it puts me to shame. Sometimes we're not as consistent as he is. It's not easy. 
We need to have the hand of God upon us like Daniel did to help us. Paul said, yes, the spirit may be willing, but the flesh is weak. There's always a struggle between the spiritual and the carnal. But here you see, he was willing and they found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they said, yes, we have it. We've got him now. He'll be put away and the lions will have a feast of Daniel. How wrong they were. How wrong they were. Because there's a God in heaven who can deliver us. That's what the three Hebrew, Ananiah, Azariah, and Michelle said, O Nebuchadnezzar, we will not answer you in this matter. But there is a God in heaven who is able to deliver us from thine hand, O king. They said, there's a God in heaven. And that's what Daniel said, there's a God in heaven. He will deliver. They brought Daniel and cast him, put the stone, put the seal. But they did not realize there is some, the one that is greater is in us than he that is in the world. Amen. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The Lord Jesus Christ delivers Daniel. He sends and Daniel says to the king, Oh, don't worry, O king. My God has sent his angel. See, Daniel was not afraid to go into the lion's den. They didn't have to bound him. They didn't have to do anything. He went in voluntarily. He knew his God. He had great confidence in his God. He was able to trust him. Either I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. He was, could be said like the psalmist, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, even into the lion's den. He walked in. The Lord delivered him. God shut the lion's mouth. No harm was committed to him. Christian, I ask you tonight, as you live this life that God has given to us in this world, can we be like Daniel? Can we live a life of conviction? Can we live a life of consistency? Can we live a life that is courageous to bring glory and honor unto our Savior, <coughs> the Lord Jesus Christ? Oh, let us not compromise in any way. Let us not try to accommodate people. You know, there was a preacher on the radio I heard while I was driving in the city uh, in, in the United States, they come on all the time. And one of the things he was preaching about the church in America, he said the greatest danger in American churches today is this. He says, the danger in American churches is the word accommodating. Mm -hmm. We want to accommodate everything in the church. Mm -hmm. And that is the greatest danger and I hope it will not be in your churches where you want to accommodate the world. Take a stand for Christ and see what God can do through your life as you take a stand for God like Daniel did. And God will honor you in all his ways. He will honor you. He will uplift you. He will protect you. And he will guide you through your darkest moments like he did Daniel. Even in the dark den. It probably was dark. They rolled a stone over it. There's nothing there. You can look and you can look at it and picture it. You know, I don't know how much oxygen was there in that den that night. Probably it was hot with all the animals, with the heat that they give out. Maybe that kept him warm in the den. God's protection in so many ways. He was able to speak. To the king Darius and says, Fear not, O king, my God sent his angel. 
The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him. Amen? Amen. What a promise you and I have. Or may we be like Daniel today and live for the Lord Jesus Christ. And may we glorify him in our lives. God bless you.